Alright, feeling good today. This is actually, uh, man, I haven't been working out. So I, don't, I got the COVID and then I didn't work out for the longest time. Like, I was trying to devote all that energy to COVID healing, I guess. I don't know. I think I just turned lazy. I think I just found an excuse. And I was like, well, it's been two and a half weeks of that excuse. <laughs> it's over today. Hopefully it'll be over again tomorrow. So we got us a little workout in today. Feeling good. Drinking some coffee getting into the day and reflecting on yesterday past couple of days and my so i've been carrying a hashtag fuck nunez for a long time i haven't used it since amanda nunez became champion of the ufc though because i did not want to get punched by amanda nunez it didn't that there's no reason like the lioness would beat my ass i'm uh, real quick to tell you i don't i don't think i would stand a chance against her you know, is it ironic that although I bet for Juliana Pennant in their last fight, the winner, uh, I feel like I would rather take a punch from Juliana than, uh, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. She just looks like she, she, she obviously, she, she pretty much, I mean, she, she pieced Nunez up, but I don't know. I'm just talking. So anyways, I didn't want to get punched by Nunez. Not not just that, really. Just I really respect Amanda Nunez. And so I didn't want this new, this fuck Nunez hashtag to have any bleed over effect. And so I, I dropped it myself. I think other people carried it on. I imagined it would die soon. And uh, just for a, a I, don't know, I, I don't do the Instagram so much. My wife, she does the Instagrams a bit. And so she went, she looked on Nunez's website. And uh, on Nunez's uh, Instagram, he no longer has Twitter. I don't know if you know that. So after the finale, um, when everybody noticed that he was being a douche to me and all that, and after that season, I think it was after that episode, he deleted his Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> which is serious for a star who is so closely affiliated with Twitter. Does that make sense? Um, they use Twitter for all those votes and all those things. I've been told it's fake. I don't know, but I do know that they were still they were still associating with Twitter. So for somebody who has his stardom somehow wrapped up with Twitter to delete your Twitter, that's a pretty big event. And it was pretty obvious the impetus for that, the catalyst for him deleting his Twitter, was all the hate he was getting after he was uh, he was unfairly biased against me, I guess, is what we say, uh, is what, what I feel. I think that's what, what people that are using the fuck Nunez hashtag feel. So we go to his Instagram. My wife goes to his Instagram. She shares. She's like, I was just wondering how, you know, what he's posting about nowadays. And then she found that he doesn't really post that often. But when he does, goddamn, one of the first things. So he posted a picture of his ankles by the pool one time. And it's like two or three posts down there. And somebody immediately says, Kyle Dunbar is going to jump out of that water and pull you in like Jason Voorhees or something. He's going to grab you by the ankles and pull you in like Jason Voorhees. Um, scroll more. It, like, even, I mean, he is still getting hate from uh, the bias against me, from that whole thing. I, I want to drop it. That's what I'm saying. This is the slow roll around to saying, I'm done with the hashtag, fuck Nunez, and I'm also ready to move on with my life. And, uh... And I feel like I need to, I mean, it, obviously I can move on myself without everybody else moving on. But I feel like it's good for me to make this statement too. And maybe people can find peace in it. Because look at it this way. Despite not making $100,000, he's given me over $100,000 worth of popularity. $100,000 worth of advertising. I would have easily paid that amount no i wouldn't have wouldn't have easily done it i can't come up with a hundred thousand dollars but i i mean i could have for the amount of time that i was on tv that i was on people's lips uh, as they were saying my name talking about me inside their living rooms at the water cooler for all of that i couldn't have done that without that show i couldn't have done that without him and it was easily worth a hundred thousand dollars okay sure the money would have been nice don't, don't get me wrong. I, I probably wouldn't be living in Flint, Michigan. I'd be living in Grand Blank, just up the road where all the nice people are. Um, I probably wouldn't be assaulted by people on the street with iPhones. Whole different story, but I got a big gash on my forehead still. Well, it's not still a gash, but I have a scar on my forehead from my neighbor's iPhone after I saved her from being attacked 
by uh, several people with a pit bull. I swear to God, I don't know how this shit happens to me, but I need to figure out <laughs> how to keep it because this shit happens a lot. Even when I try to help people in Flint, I'll get beat up. At any rate, I would be living somewhere else if I had won that 100000 I would, I would probably be in a better situation. But despite that, I mean, Joey Hamilton is uh, the winner from the season. And I don't know. I, I don't really pay attention, I guess, so I don't know. But I feel like I've got more popularity than he does. Not more money. Kid's rich. But I got more popularity. So whatever it is, Nunez did do me a favor. Absolutely. And I think he knew that by doing what he was doing, he was doing me a favor. I think he also begrudgingly did it because he didn't necessarily want to do that favor for me because we did have some animosity between us. I'm ready for a new hashtag. I'm going to try and roll this out. We'll see how far it goes. It's going to be nice to Nunez with a number two. So, you know, we don't have to do so much spelling. Nice to Nunez. Um, and I'm going to try it because I'm ready to, to move on with my life and go to the next and, uh, and not worry about that. But also, when I looked at his Instagram, immediately I felt awesome <laughs> to see that people were still on my behalf fighting for me. And then I also, just as immediately, I mean at the same fucking time, I felt terrible <laughs> because I was like, why should anybody suffer this? Because of, you know, my unresolved anger. Or, or the anger that's unresolved that they still experience from the show. From, from you know, getting behind me, championing me, championing me, championing me, making me their champion. And then uh, also hating Nunez as a result. I, I, I just want to be over it. That's what I'm saying. Now, my son, I told my son of my plans and he told me. No. And then began to explain to me what a horrible person Nunez was. But I'm really not about the... Like, man, I was railing against cancel culture a little while ago, but I'm going to... Fuck it, I'm going to have to do it again. Um, I'm going to have to take the opposite side, actually. Uh, yeah, fuck cancel culture. So, like, cancel culture, I was saying, it's still the same as it's always been. People just have a better platform for canceling things now. But we used to have bans on tuna fish because they got dolphins caught in the nets, and it made a change for the better. So I don't think that's bad. Um, cancel culture canceled uh, segregation, you know? Uh, so, like, cancel culture has its good. But, however, it does get kind of out of control. And I want to stop this little bit of cancel culture with Nunez because there ain't no reason holding that guy back. Um, sure, tie me to him. <laughs> don't forget I'm the guy that punked him out but I didn't really punk him out did I I mean he was ready to fight as I was if not more so you notice the very first time I came up to him I just breathed down on him and he pushed me that fucker was ready to fight um he's not a bitch he's he's a uh, he's like most of us scared insecure little child living inside that builds up walls of imagined strength to cover it up so that we don't get hurt and those walls of strength are oftentimes, although we think that they're strong, they're usually made out of glass, easily broken. So he's just us. He's broken like us. But, I don't know. I'm ready to be done with it. I'm ready to be done with it because at the same time, I'm watching Joe Rogan. And he's getting a little cancel culture backlash, which has never hurt him in the past. And I don't imagine it will in the, fu in, in the future. Um... I think he's lived off of the cancel culture of some sort. Let's keep in mind that Joe Rogan did cancel Carlos Mencia. It, it's, so it's kind of all a roundabout karmic thing. However, uh, I don't think Carlos Mencia should have been canceled. I don't think that Joe Rogan thinks Carlos Mencia should have been canceled by his actions, by the things, you know, by bringing to light that Carlos was stealing jokes. That's what, that's what um, Joe Rogan did. He brought to light that Carlos Mencia was, was stealing jokes. And so we've moved on right we're done with the mind of mencia and uh now we're on to joe rogan he but he has made as much money off of the cancel culture backlash like like he says all this misinformation on his show and everybody's trying to cancel him and now he's got a tour date with dave Chappelle. am i wrong like aren't they doing a, a they've got a scheduled comedic tour date 
he's going to make millions off of that cancel culture, I guess is what I'm saying. So oftentimes, I, I've, I would have never heard of The Last Temptation of Christ, not The Passions of the Christ, The Last Temptation of Christ by Martin Scorsese, starring Willem Dafoe as Jesus Christ. Uh, I would have never heard of that movie if the Catholics weren't so mad about it coming up. I would have never wanted to watch that movie if it wasn't for the Catholics being so mad about it coming up. But they were mad. They made a big uproar. And it was the first time I'd ever heard about it. In another version of that same um, idea, Violent J tells us, Lordy, Lordy, we got to protest that man. Some rock and roll ninja bit the head off a rat. Let's march in his concert and send him to hell. Because he's so fucking terrible. But meanwhile, his album sell double and triple because you heard about him rubbing his nipple. Religious? Shit, you helped that man bank. Instead of helping those poor people eating out of the garbage cans. In that thought... Uh, I've, I've been consumed in that thought for some time because so often as Christians, so often as people, as groups, we do things that actually, we, we think they're in our best interest and we think they're what we want. They, we think they're going to get us to that next level and they don't. Every time in history that a group has been oppressed and then they, they get power over their oppressor, they seek peace just like I did. They seek peace through justice, but they never get it. I didn't get any peace from Nunez getting a fuck Nunez hashtag. It didn't bring me peace. It brought me satisfaction, but that wasn't peace. It brought me a sense of um, tit for tat, a sense of revenge, you know, but it's also became kind of more... It could be more of a war of attrition. I lose something of myself, the honorable part of me. I I need to give that up. I don't need to chase after hating Nunez. Nor should we any, it, it, every time. Not that we will, and not that I'm chastised. I, I think I understand that people don't. But every time a group's oppressed, they get power over their oppressors. They seek peace through justice, not peace through mercy. But the only way to get peace is through mercy. Or at least that's what Jesus tells us. And I don't think he's wrong in this. Um, it makes sense, right? Peace through mercy. So you have to be able to say, I see what you did. You hurt me. It hurt bad. And now that I have power over you, I'm going to show you kindness. I'm going to show you the mercy that I wish you showed me. It's called grace. I'm going to grace, gracefully show you the mercy that you didn't show me and hope that it serves as a lesson in how we actually should treat each other that will go on for future generations, for our children and our children's children, so they can all get along, so Martin Luther King's dream can be realized, so that all nations and all races uh, can live in peace and harmony. Because that's got to be the goal of any religion for the most part, right? Is peace and harmony. Maybe a couple. Maybe not a couple but most religions are all about peace and harmony. And so I'm going to take that away from the Christians here and say, well, not take it away. They can keep it. I'm going to share it. I'm going to have a takeaway from the Christian religion. And I'm going to try to have some mercy. And uh, it's not that I haven't had revenge. I mean, watching his Instagram and seeing that I am still a continual part of his life. <laughs> was, And keep in mind, he was just doing what... Uh, what Andrea Richter wanted him to. You know, he, he was being hired for a job. And somebody in his ear was like, hey, go after Kyle. Now, he might have, maybe he could have chose different words, you know. But I don't think it would have been as exciting. He did what he did. He helped me out. He did. And um, now he's, uh, he's, he can't lay out by a pool. He actually has, like, I can only imagine what it must be like to not read your comments. No offense, guys. I don't read my comments. Um, I do. I used to more. <laughs> I don't read them often. Happens with me is with comments, I'll read, I don't know, 5,000 good comments. I won't read that many. But I will read all the good comments and just shh, go right through them. One ear out the other. And then one, one comment will be like, this tattoo? Meh. <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking livid. Yeah, I'm going crazy. So, I can imagine. So, I don't I don't read comments as a result of my concern with, uh, you know, it, it 
it dragging me down for the day and sticking me in negative negative territory negative attitude territory but um i can only imagine if nunez ever wanted to read his comments he can't escape me like so uh I'm ready to be done with it. Plus, there's a Amanda Nunez Juliana Pena fight that's going to be coming up, and it's going to be on TUF. It's going to be on The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be exciting. Let's let's keep the auto. Let's keep Nunez hashtags for for people who matter anymore, like Amanda Nunez. I don't know. Is this Chris doing anything besides laying out at pools? <laughs> I don't. I hope he made enough money. I wonder what's next for the kid. I hope he goes on to star. You know, if if his star shot stops shining bright, I mean, who the hell am I? I'm nothing. Fucking chop liver over here. I'm nothing without my uh, detractors. You know, you, you ain't got no haters. I had a high up hater, and look where it propelled me. So I mean, you look at you look at Logan Paul, Jake Paul, those guys who take hatership and they turn it into millions of dollars buy buy fake pokemon cards with it <laughs> whatever you want to do with your millions of dollars that you got from haters it was all free you know it was all energy that they sent your way they're like ah i like having a bad day let me think about how much i hate you <laughs> and then they like here's this energy and some people it beats them up some people it turns them into you know superstars i think it did that with jake paul i'm impressed with the kid not with his fighting ability but with his ability to earn money and that pay, that money and and all the um, contention that he's creating, it will equal to bigger pay for other fighters uh, across the venue. He is bringing a large light to the disparity of the pay inside of the UFC um, fighting structure. You follow me? Like uh, if it wasn't for him constantly getting under Dana White's skin and telling him, you know, pay your fighters more, then... I, some people wouldn't know about it. I would probably still know about it. But I've been intrigued by the fighter pay system for um, UFC for a long time because I think the, the way it's structured possibly gave them a competitive edge over people like Bellator. I think that if you if you watch Bellator, I think Bellator might pay out across the, bro- the board for its fighters, but they don't have as much in sponsorship deals, um, and they don't, uh, and I don't know that they pay the winners as much. I could be wrong. They don't get the best competition. Unfortunately, they've got great competition. And and I would love to see some of their guys. Uh, Chandler was over there fighting. He came over and did pretty good in the UFC. He didn't do great, but uh, he did good. Um, he's still a tough-ass motherfucker. And uh, they have other fighters, too. Uh, was, is it AJ McKee? Man, that guy choked a guy in a way that I'd never seen anybody get choked before. Like, like a full body wrap across it. Man, it was an awesome choke. I loved watching it because it was just like, I was like, that looks like it's going to be, like he could do some, and that would be a choke. And then he turned it into a choke. I can't even describe the choke. It's like a full body choke. I don't know what you call that, but I digress. What I'm saying is I want to be nicer to Nunez, and I'm kind of talking about cancel culture here in that, that regard. So I'm going to talk about something else that's been on my mind. Um... And that I wasn't going to talk about. It is an apology. I wasn't going to talk about I was going to talk about I was like, man, I, I'm really having fun doing these podcasts. I'd like to do a podcast on something that's always meant a lot to me. That I've studied. That I understand. And that is an apology. And how an apology should go. And how to get out of a speeding ticket. I think I've already gone over that. I'm going to do it again. Because they're all pretty related. Get An apology... The reason I didn't want to do an apology is I decided I was going to do an apology podcast, and then I came home, and uh, and I saw that Joe Rogan, I don't listen to his podcast, I don't really listen to any podcasts, but um, I saw that I'd probably be better to, I'd probably learn a lot and be like, oh, it'd be better if I did this, but at any rate, I, I saw that Joe Rogan had a podcast that was like the essence of an apology or something like that, the makeup of an apology, and I was like, well, it makes sense, it's the time for him, he should he should be apologizing at the same time I don't know what how much he has to apologize for I know like I'm kind of I'm kind of amazed that he apologizes for um, saying the n-word but not for spreading misinformation that, that could hurt people 
and that people use in their arguments, um, his, his talking points that have been shared on his show, and they use those arguments uh, against um, vaccines in layman talk when people are around the water cooler. They use things they've heard there. And so it's like that actually could hurt people, but yet here we are with a word that can hurt people's feelings, yeah. It can no longer bring somebody down. You cannot call anybody the N-word and have everybody ostracize that person because you said that. Right? That like that's that was the problem with the N-word. That's the power of the N-word then is that if I said, "Oh, whatever, you stupid N-word to somebody, then everybody could maybe chuckle under their skin and say, yeah, he's not like us. Let's not think of his thoughts as being valid. That's the real worry of the N-word. And there's probably more than that. Maybe I'm being naive. Uh, if, if I am, then please school me on it. I know that people hate that word. And I don't like it. You see that even though I could say it, I don't. I don't say it because I have friends that don't don't want a white person to say it. That's all. That's the only reason. They're not. Um, they haven't taken the strength away from that word enough yet, in their opinion. The strength of that word is too powerful for them to hear it said by somebody of my skin color and not make them angry, not control them. And that's, I mean, that's what it always is. If you make somebody angry, you have control over them. That's why people need bad guys, boogeymen. That's why we need the Anthony Fauci's to be the boogeyman. We need the Donald Trump's to be the boogeyman. You know, it's because we need boogeymen to convince other people to see things our way. Because I can make you more scared of somebody more than I can make you love somebody. It's much easier. Isn't that what? That's what we learned in 1984. The book 1984, George Orwell, or the movie. If you've watched that too, you learned that love does not conquer all, and that hate is far easier. You can give in to hate, and hate hate wins against love. And it has forever. You actually have to work to make love win. Love can win. Who's it? The Caesar guy online tells you love love win. Do you see that the Caesar when he's with the, uh, the the Eli Manning and Peyton Manning family and they're all there and they're all dressed warm and then his is I'm guessing it's his girlfriend or possibly his wife is dressed there like Cleopatra, like it's like it's in a hot room. <laughs> I just I don't know. It is what it is, right? It is a uh, uh, um. An imagined hierarchy, uh, a patriarchy system. It is, it is what it is. But so, anyways, I digress. He says, uh, in that, that love conquers all. In that stupid commercial, I don't know why that why that one mattered to me, but it's not true. Love does not conquer all. Prove it. Show me. Show me. Where does love conquer all? It is an imagination. It is a dream. It is a wish, and it's a beautiful beautiful fantasy isn't it imagine the world where love conquers all oh, hallmark channel lifetime wouldn't you just want to curl up with a bowl of soup or something nice hot mug of cocoa and just watch some lifetime love conquering oh oh so nice but love doesn't conquer all it doesn't and if you take love and you put it in a ring with hate well jesus is dead you following me wasn't Jesus' greatest gift, love? That hate conquered it. Now you can be like, oh yeah, well he rose from the dead three days later. Uh, you know, maybe. Right on. But now it's this long process of conquering. Maybe you need to say love eventually conquers all. And I will wait for that day with you. But it is not here yet. We are not at a point where love conquers all. Love comes from understanding. Love comes from tolerance. Tolerance comes from understanding. And it grows. So, you need to tolerate, and then you need to find similarities, and then you find love. And then it grows. But just as easily can turn to hate, too. And, how many divorces do we have? What's that say about love and conquer and hate? When they conquer, like, put them in a ring. Who do they win? We would have more marriages succeeding than marriages failing if love conquered all. Right? We don't have that. Love does not conquer all. But I should stop. That, that's 
pretty depressing. Uh, I don't find these things sometimes depressing because as I find them to be fact, then I find it, that if they are fact, we all share them. Or if I find them to be theory, as this is more of a theory, uh, but I believe it, then I can I, I still believe that we all share that same you know problem that love does not conquer all that hate more easily conquers all, uh, and then we can move on from there hopefully. Because we are all similar in the similarities. We share suffering. When you share suffering, it's not as great. So, yay, cool. Humanity is saved because love does not conquer all, and we have to share that. We all have something to love each other over now. And I don't know. That's the way. I'm smiling now because I think that's a funny little irony of life. But I was more talking about the N-word, wasn't I? Because I've... I've thought on this for a long time. I grew up in a place called Beecher, uh, and I went to a school called Buell, and it was pretty mixed. It was uh, segregated. Segregated? No. It was it was non-segregated. There were a lot of black kids in my school. I, I definitely wasn't the only... Uh, I mean, I I wasn't the only white kid, but I wasn't... It, I mean, it was, it was more like a 50-50. You know, it wasn't... Um, it was like poor white trash and black folk. And that was just the way it was. I didn't think it was supposed to be any different. Then I came out to the suburbs after my dad died. We came out to the suburbs and we lived out there. And there was only two black people in my school. Ah, that's not true, was it? Because she she had two brothers. I think one was graduated by the time I got there. (laughs) Lakeisha Funches, Thornell Funches. Give a shout out to Thornell. I still talk with him. Um, And uh, their brother, I think he graduated by the time I got there. And then there were some funny things, too. Our principal was a big fan of track. <laughs> I'm serious. This is so serious. He was a track and field guy. And so he recruited um, young athletes from neighboring schools and tried to get funny with their uh, living arrangements, find them living arrangements, or um, find them somebody to say they lived in their house like, so that we could have a good track and field team because we needed more ethnic people on it. You're not going to have a track and field team that's going to win too well if you don't have some black people on it. Is that Maybe that's racist. I hope it's not the kind of racism you get beat up about. Listen, racism is racism, right? Not true. No, there's levels to racism. Sometimes when we imagine that racism lives inside of somebody's mind, let's imagine that Joe Rogan is racist, okay? And we know so because he used the N-word, right? Let's imagine that for a second. But it starts to fall apart real quick, doesn't it? Like, well, he's got friends from all different races. Maybe he's just racist against black people. But we also know that's not true. One of the times that he was uh, using the N-word on his show, he was actually quoting a Chris Rock joke. And he was explaining it for the conversation. And he said the full word. Oh, my God, he used a word. Well, by the color of his skin, we know that he should not be allowed to use that word. Yeah, yeah, you're right. What do they call that? When because of the color of your skin you can't enjoy the privileges that other people because of the color of their skin can? That's probably going to make somebody mad. Privilege. But freedom of speech is a privilege. And I get it. You can be mad about what I just said. But it's truth. There's truth to that. Listen, if you say a word, it doesn't make you a racist. If you say the N-word, it doesn't make you a racist. You know, I would have to believe that Kanye West and Method Man are fucking racist. But they can't be, right? Now, where's the equality in their ability to say it? Now, now, I know the position of the white man inside of society is so that you can, is, is higher up than the position of the black man, or so we at least imagine it to be. And I'm not saying, I, I guess I shouldn't say that we imagine it to be. Because it is of some sort. But it's hard for some of us to see that so so well okay and the reason it's hard for actually many white people some of us it's just pure out of our ignorance others of us well we grew up in the same neighborhoods we were held back by many of the same programs adc and welfare i was on that stuff i don't know but the color of my skin the difference between me and a black kid at my school there were a lot more black kids that were far better off as far as economics inside of my school than than I was. And because the school also had a diverse uh, faculty, 
I don't know that they were. I mean, it wasn't like there was a bunch of white teachers riding them down, being like, no, you, you get a B when you should have got an A, but you do it because you're black. You know, like, I don't think that that was happening. I could be wrong. But again, there were a lot of poor white trash. That's, what I, I, that's a racist term, isn't it? I'm sorry. But that's what we were. That's what I was. That's what we grew up. And so it's hard for us to understand white privilege when we feel like we've been downtrodden by the same. However, what we oftentimes don't see there, and what I do understand myself, is that that white privilege is things like you can get off on a speeding ticket more easily. You won't get stopped as quickly by the police officers inside of a store or something like that. You don't so easily fit the description. As a white person, you just don't fit the description as easily. There's a couple of times I've been pulled over and told, that I fit the description, however. So I can't say that we don't get pulled over. I have been pulled over for a fit description fucking pullover. And it actually had ended in jail. <laughs> like in a small amount of jail time. You know, I was I was riding dirty. Well, you can't be riding dirty, you know. Have your insurance. Have have your plates. But don't don't steal them from a from a parking lot. However, I kinda did. Well, I don't know. Joe Rogan is now having an apology, and he apologized for that, and I was kind of surprised. Kind of let down, because I feel like one of us, somebody's going to have to take a stand on that. I ain't saying it's me. <laughs> I was prepared to sacrifice Joe. I'll put him up there on the cross. Be like, yeah, that's, that's what we need right now, is we need somebody to say true equality cannot be achieved. While, like, like imagine Martin Luther King's dream on the playground. Right of white kids and black kids playing together with no even idea that it wasn't always this way. That there's even any difference between them. Except, of course, that one of them can't say a word that the others use in their popular culture and in their music. I mean, I ain't saying she's a gold digger, but she ain't messing with no broke. I just won't say the rest, right? You can understand. I got a friend that asked me, Kyle, why why do you want to say it so bad? That seems racist there. I thought on that for a minute. But I don't see it to be racist. I, I see it. I can see how it, you can see it as being racist. That makes perfect sense. But when I really explore it, the racism here is the inability of one group to enjoy a privilege that the other group enjoys. Why do you want to say it so bad? I don't know that I do. I'm pretty sure I don't. But do I want the ability to? Yeah. Yeah, I think I want my freedom of speech. Sure. Certainly, if we're all in the club and we're singing along to Kanye West, I want to be able to get the next bar in. Was everybody like, look at me because of my white skin? I grew up in the hood. <laughs> my friends have been black my whole life. I've never known any different. We, we, we were the Christian kids inside of the hood. So part of our job was taking people who couldn't get to church to church. I had a great black friend, uh, Melvin. He, he was, uh, well, my parents had a black friend. He was a blind black man, and we took him to church all the time. Um... And I talked with him. I always wanted to know what his world was like. Because he was handicapped. He could not see. It was it was a strange thing for me. And I was, I'm an innocent kid with a curious mind. So I'd ask these questions. I got beat up for asking questions, actually. Because some of them, I'm sure, seemed racist. <laughs> so I got beat up by black kids uh, for asking questions. I didn't know that that would make them mad. But it's, it, my questions were innocent. But they they spoke to the racism that their adults and and figures uh, authority figures in their life told them would be racist. But they were questions for me, like they weren't racist. They were actually seeking to, for understanding. The understanding would then bring tolerance, and the tolerance would then bring love. That's the way that works. Uh, the opposite of that would be uh, frustration not understanding a situation so you don't understand you get frustrated frustration turns to anger anger turns to rage the, uh, which is the opposite of the bell curve for if you're familiar with bell curves it's a it's a thing that they teach you when you've done enough drugs 
<laughs> when you've done so many drugs, they're, they're like, this guy needs a lot of help. They send you to a class. And uh, if you're poor like me, they pay for it. Thank you, guys. And then you learn about bell curves. And if you learn, you learn. And if you don't listen, you probably wouldn't. And you'd still pass. It doesn't matter. You just do the time. They write it off. They get paid by the taxpayers. And then everything's good. But the N-word, man. The N-word is such a powerful word. It's like the word cunt. I can say cunt, though. I love saying cunt. I got kicked off of Virgin Airlines. Excuse me, Virgin Voyages. I can never go back on a Virgin Voyage again. Because I said cunt. I might be able to go on as a guest, and it was a cool cruise ship, but I'm not really a cruise-type person. That's, like, for richy people, and I wouldn't feel right there without a job to do. I don't know my place inside of society without being a tattoo artist. I don't know how to talk to people. You know, on vacation, I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> All I can talk to you about is what I do when I'm not on vacation. <laughs> because that's, that's who I am. I'm a tattoo artist. You know, I'm not. But anyways, I said cunt. People heard me say cunt. It was a big enough thing that they went down. They told people that guy said cunt. And I can never go back on. That's not racist, I know. It's some cancel-ass culture shit. And it does kind of piss me off. However, there's this thing. Bitch used to be the word. You couldn't say bitch. There was a time you couldn't say bitch. You said bitch around my uh, grandmother. My grandfather would try to beat your ass over that shit. You don't talk like that around my wife. And then he'd flim flarm flump filth. <laughs> he'd swear like a bat. Like, just to piss my dad off, he would swear sometimes. But if you did it, it would be a different story. Because it was about control. My dad was... Oh, my, not my dad. My, my grandpa... Well, he... Uh, yeah, he was kind of racist. Ignorantly racist, I guess, really. He was um, bipolar. Thanks for passing that on, Gramps. Appreciate it. Uh, and he uh, was manic-depressive. So he would go crazy. I mean, batshit crazy. Um, like... My shoes don't fit because of the diabetes, but I don't give a fuck. I'm still going to go to church, even if it is zero below, and I can't put my shoes on. He'd go there barefoot. <laughs> He's crazy, man. He'd get kicked out of the churches a lot, too. But I digress. I'm back to the N-word. I'm not saying that I want to say it, but I want the freedom to say it or not say it. And when I have the freedom to say it, racism will stop. It's, a, it's the only way it works. Right now, black people have found a power over their former oppressors. And it's not an equal power to the power that was once yielded over them, or wielded over them. I get it. But we're also at a way different time. There are, there are structures in place to chastise people who are racist. This is true. I mean, this is the uh, Joe Rogan going through uh, even needing to make this apology kind of shows that there are things in place. It's not like laws that, you know, like this person must be censored when they say that. Well, actually, I think there are laws depending on where you say it, like Senate, Capitol or something like that. But there 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 are things in place like the the, the cult cancel culture. <laughs> That Joe Rogan is answering to now because he said the word, the N-word. Oh, I almost said it. Oh, I'd be in trouble. You see, that's it. When you say the word, the N-word. And not the word N-word, like I'm saying now. Like the word N-word, N-word. But that I won't say N-word. And I know that that's probably a little confusing. And I kind of want it to be to better illustrate the silliness of the whole situation. Because I no longer yield that power over I, I don't no longer wield that power over you, I mean to say. As a white man, saying the N-word to a black man, nobody, and nobody is rushing to the white man's defense. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. He is. That's the way it was. I didn't realize until he said it, but he is. Look at the color of his skin. Let's all be on this guy's side. It is not that way anymore. Much to the opposite. And, I mean, the proof is right there on Spotify's fucking cancellation page. <laughs> you see, like, it, the proof is there. But we can argue um, in imaginaries as though it's still, you know, 400 years ago. But it doesn't make sense to do that. 
if Martin Luther King's dream is going to be recognized, then those kids playing on the playground should be able to sing along to I Ain't Saying She's a Gold Digger. But she ain't messing with no broke. And it's from... When, when I say cunt... It's just fucking four words strung together. It makes a sound. It's awesome, I think, because it, it rhymes with cunt punt. You can go ahead and give somebody the upper cunt. Of course, these are all violent, and it's kind of, it kind of depicts violence against women, so I guess it's bad. But it's fucking hilarious. Quentin said at the right time. <laughs> He's, oh, I gave that girl old upper cunt. Bam! That's what you get, bitch. Maybe it won't be hilarious in the future. Maybe it's only hilarious because of the time that I grew up in. Maybe it's not hilarious to you. But the word cunt can be depowered. I know because the word bitch used to have the same power. I don't know. George Carlin said there were seven words you couldn't say on air. Was cunt one of them? I, I'm curious. I'll have to go back and look. But bitch was definitely one of them. But you hear the word bitch on air all the time. It changed at some point when there was... When it started to be that there was uh, a girl that had, was decided she was the head bitch in charge. You know, when people started to take on the moniker and be like, yeah, I'm that bitch. Isn't that what actually, what's her, what's it? Took a DNA test, turns out I'm 100% that bitch. How bad is it to call somebody a bitch nowadays? Not that bad. You, it, you call a guy a bitch, it's far worse than calling a girl a bitch. And even that. It's more, more telling of, of who you are, not who the person is that you're talking about. It, it more looks low on you. But over time, that word has been softened because it's entered into our vernacular because people changed the power dynamic of it. The very same change has occurred with the N-word. Has occurred. Already over. Past tense. It's occurred. How do I know? Because so many white people would like to be able to sing along to Kanye West. Their favorite songs, they love these artists. They love these humans. It isn't about the color of their skin. They love them because they are important to their lives. They wake up and they do their workouts, listening to music. They, uh, they draw their pictures, listening to music. They drive their cars, listening to music. Listening to the artists that they love, and the artist that they love's color of their skin is black, and they pay their money so that they can listen to them. They enrich that black person's life, but they can't say, they can't enjoy the privilege of singing the chorus without somebody getting pretty mad about it. Like, it got me, because Joe Rogan at no point did he, did he show that he was racist in any fashion. In, if, if you go through every single one of those instances, it was bothering that he said what he said was unjustifiable and then justified it. That was kind of bothering. But there was at no point did he say anything that was like, oh, yeah, this guy is a racist. And when we find people to be racist now, what do we do? Like, just cancel him because he has thought? That's not going to work. It doesn't work. Let me point out this picture. If, if you – sometimes we try to cancel things that we don't like, and they just get bigger. Donald Trump did that. All these liberals were trying to get rid of Donald Trump from day one. And it was one of the biggest reasons given for not impeaching him was that you have been trying to impeach him since day one. Well, yeah, but we found valid reason to. Well, yeah, but you've been trying to. Well, yeah, but we found ample valid reason to yeah but you were trying real hard to find it okay but we found it yeah but you you were just from the beginning you, you see where i'm going with it like that hatred when we cancel somebody sometimes we just give them power jake paul <laughs> donald trump i mean it don't matter who it is you give them power because somebody doesn't want to be liked like when you said we hate Donald Trump and then somebody else is like, I hate you. I'll, I must love Donald Trump. I want to troll you so badly. I mean, what is Satanism? But exactly that. It's like, oh, you love Jesus so much. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to start my own religion. It's, um, but 
Satanism didn't get rid of Christianity in order to take it over. Christianity hating Satanism didn't get rid of it. Christianity was like, oh my God, there's Satanists in the park and shit like that. Blah, blah, blah. And then the Satanists had a platform to talk about their religion. And they grew in numbers. Because that's the way it fucking works. Censuring uh, Joe Rogan is not going to stop him from being uh, a success. It might slow him down. But it could also make other people more fans of him. Imagine it like this. We go to a Dave Chappelle concert. Comedy show. He says the N-word. Maybe, I don't know, 50 times in a show. Maybe a little bit less. He says it a lot, though. When he says it to a mixed audience, there is a catharsis for everyone involved. Why do you think he says it? Because scientifically, it gives them all a catharsis. The elephant in the room, that guy has a different color of skin than me. There were times when because of the differences in their skin, we had different positions in, in social life. That's all been washed away. We try not to talk about it nowadays. And then this guy says the, the, the he says Voldemort. <laughs> he says the word which should not be mentioned. But we all feel hilarious. We all feel good. It's like we said it. It's like we we took its power away. We took its power away. That's it. The power of the word rests in you person who can't hear the word cunt without fucking going and telling virgin voyages uh the power of cunt rests in them not in me the power of the n-word rests in those people that are bothered by it and i get that they're not ready they're not strong enough yet to not be bothered by it but Racism will continue until it is. And here's my, here, here's the other part of, of it. When people feel the catharsis of the N-word being said, listening to Dave Chappelle, it's no different than the catharsis that white people feel when the N-word is used at a KKK rally. Think about it for a minute. I'm not there. I don't know. But I guarantee... If there is any, like, if you tell the joke, you got to look around. If you say a word, you got to look around. If you're worried about the company that you're in and you can't say certain words, then when you say it in public with a large group applauding you, that must feel awesome. It must feel like a Dave Chappelle show turned up to 100. Well, does that help stop racism? No. Uh-uh. And this is a case where black people who may decide that this word cannot be said or uttered by any white person for whatever power reasons that they are not ready to accept, whatever weakness they have inside of them that won't let them move on, whatever it is that is holding them back, making them want to have this or retain this power over the freedom of speech of white people. Whatever it is that is making them do this is not present. It has Absolutely, because like actually, if you're not, if you say this can't be said, then you don't make it not said. You just make it not said around you. Now you lose control of how it's used. Now when you use it at the Dave Chappelle show, he's using it very positively. When you use it at the KKK rally, it's being used very negatively to disparage a whole group. And in that, there is still a catharsis for those people hearing it, who want to now say it, who say it, and guess who is no one around to stop them? Suddenly they feel free. Well, who was holding me back before? It was the black man. And now I believe your beliefs. Now I'm ready to put on a fucking sheet and go dance at the mall. I don't know what KKK does anymore. A lot of stupid, that's what I know they do. Continually. Because if these thoughts, what I'm expressing to you right now, if these thoughts were inside of that KKK, they would all burn their own damn sheets. You know? They would realize how stupid they're being. What a bunch of plastic-minded... We're all plastic-minded. But, you know... Uh, and we can all be programmed to stuff like this, too. 
I, I know black racists, I know white racists, and none of them came that way just like out the out the box, you know? Nobody jumped out of their mom's vagina and was just like, I hate that other color. Nobody. They had to be get taught it. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm disappointed somewhat that we couldn't use Joe Rogan as our uh, sacrificial lamb here to inspire conversation. Well, I guess I am using him as it. But he has, he's jumped off the cross. That's what I guess I mean. He was like, I'm not on the cross, okay? Made a mistake. Never say it again. He never came out and told him time that he, he came, you know, to an epiphany and decided he wouldn't say that. I said I was going to talk about apology, didn't I? Let's talk about apology. The way an apology works, saying sorry does not. An apology recognizes the fault that you have committed. I have done this. I'm going to use this to my wife because that's who I have to apologize to the most, either my wife or my son. I have committed this and it hurt you. I see that it hurt you. It also hurt me. Generally, you're going to say, or you're going to believe, you're not even believe. This is just the truth. If you're, if, if an apology isn't true, don't give it. But the truth of the matter is, if I hurt my wife, I have hurt myself greatly. And inside of that understanding, when I can re- reconcile that in my brain, when I can come to my wife and say, I hurt myself by hurting you, then she can understand that I won't want to do that again, that I will try everything I can to not do it, because why would I hurt myself? Now, occasionally I do hurt myself. I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> um, it, it, but I have to be real quick to apologize. The apology, a proper apology, recognizes the flaw, recognizes how it made someone else feel, then finds how it hurt them as well, by hurting, generally, by hurting the relationship between those two people, how it would hold them back in the future, if you're a boss or something like that, or if you're an underling, the apology is, this will keep me from moving upwards. This will keep me from having a harmonious work environment. All these things are valid for an excuse. I'm sorry is not an apology. It is so not an apology. I don't know where people, I said I'm sorry. It's the shittiest thing you have ever heard. I said I'm sorry. I don't know why you're still on about it. Because you never owned it. You never said, this is why it hurt you. I understand that. This is why it also hurt me. I understand that. I will not do this again for fear of hurting you and me. That's that's as simple as apology goes, actually. You might want to take some time with it if you're ever constructing one. Don't just try and think that you can wing an apology. I'm just going to go out there and wing it. You might want to take some time, really think about the offense, really think about how it made somebody feel. Because it's really rough when you get into apology and like, I did this. Yes, you did, you piece of shit. And you're like, all right, I received that it made you feel this way. No, no, you're wrong. It didn't make me feel that way. It made me feel a different way. Oh, fuck. <laughs> you're screwed. So you got to get that. Make sure you cover some bases. There may be more than one or two ways that it made somebody feel. And maybe you're not going to say, I see how it made you feel this way. Maybe you're going to say, I understand how it could have made you feel this way. Did it make you feel this way? All right, I'm also sorry for that. That's an apology. That's the essence of apology. I don't know if there's any more to say about it. If, the, if you want to hear more about an apology, I'm sure Joe Rogan's episode is probably far more in-depth. He has a lot more to apologize. Me, I just want to move on from my animosity for Nunez. I just want to be done with worrying about the fuck he did. He, he really didn't. I mean, he, I've thanked him several times over in, in my life. I've thanked him for the hashtag fuck Nunez. I mean, that was bread and butter for me. That was like gold, you know? That's good stuff. I want it, I don't want it anymore, though. I want to be done with it. I don't want so many other people using it. And I, I have no control over what you do. You can still obviously say fuck Nunez. <laughs> However, if you're doing it on my behalf, please don't. Because I don't. That guy made my life awesome. He made you listen to this right here. So, God bless him. Even as I say that, I feel like I've said this in these things too many times. So, if this is a repeat of things I've said. Well, you probably weren't paying attention the first time. Thanks for listening. Uh, other than that, I think I've gone over it. 
I wanted to talk about the N-word. I wanted to talk about how if we decide that a word isn't used, we don't decide that it isn't in vernacular. We only decide that it isn't used around us. And at that point, we stop having any control over how it is used. And when we lose control over how it is used, it could be used, it will be used, in a fashion that we do not want. I, I, I hope that in my lifetime, black communities can come to this understanding and stop holding themselves back because it will only create more racism, which then, of course, people can point to and be like, this is racist. And then it will only create more racisms. Don't think that after Joe Rogan said the N-word, there wasn't a bunch of white nationalists that like, I never really listened to him before, but I, I better give him a chance. You can be very, like, you can cause somebody to get the wrong attention. You know, like, your canceling doesn't cancel. Who was it? Colin Kaepernick. We tried to cancel him. We, I, I didn't try. People tried to cancel him. Donald Trump, the president of the United States, successfully canceled Colin Kaepernick's NFL career. Yet he was still making money without ever having to run laps. Didn't he get like a Nobel Peace Prize? How canceled do you think he was then? He, I mean, quite, quite canceled. I don't know if anybody's been more canceled than him. I mean, oh, Abraham Lincoln, I guess, but that kind of way. But he was canceled by the president. He lost his job. Nobody would hire him. The president of the United States singled him out. Bad guy. Not him. And he was on the Time. Didn't he get the cover of uh, Time magazine like before Trump even? Didn't Trump want that? Is there an irony there? Of course there is. And isn't it kind of beautiful? And doesn't it illustrate this point that cancel culture doesn't work? No. What does work is understanding, bringing about tolerance, tolerance building love. And what also works is frustration building anger and anger turning to rage. So where will we be? Some people will get frustrated. The Rock Johnson was mad because of the N-word that, um, what's the name said? I guess no white person should ever be able to say that. If it's, if the word is in print, if you're reading Huck Sawyer, just skip over it. Or just substitute in your own N-word. Call him a ninja, maybe. You get away with, just read it, read, read, uh, old Huck Finn and, and say ninja instead. It's not, it's not going to work. If you want to get rid of racism, you have to get rid of it equally. You shouldn't just get rid of racism against your race. You need to get rid of racism. That's what you do. You eradicate racism. So you need to look to where you have racisms too and, and get rid of it. I'm not saying that your racism is equal to anybody else's. There are far worse offenders, I'm sure. And you can point them out. But finding people that uh, achieved more or less does not mean does not dictate what you should achieve you know like like if i went around and i said uh, yeah you know like yeah i haven't worked out in a long time since covid but you know there's a lot of people fatter than me well i wouldn't have worked out today because there will always be people fatter than me if i always look to the worst of somebody and imagine that i'm somewhere above that then i will never really progress to where i could be to where i should be to where i should want to be I will never be the best at it, for sure. Because I am accepting mediocrity, just like American life wants you to. Accept mediocrity. That's the sheep. That's the sheep accepting mediocrity. But I do it. Don't think I don't. At any rate, I think I've stayed too long. I've said too much, for sure. We talked about the N-word, so we'll see where this goes. I hope uh, many of my black friends will listen to this. Comment, please. And uh, I'd like to have more black people on talking about this. I'd like to talk about the N-word. Because, obviously, I'm white. And it, I could be, and probably am, ignorant in several aspects of this argument. Although I feel 100% 
does not make me 100%. And I would definitely, like, I should have probably talked with Made Rich about it. The, one of the reasons I don't use the N-word is actually because a friend of mine, Boneface, uh, I I tried to clear it up with him. I cleared it up with Made Rich. I was like, dude, I want to I wanna use this joke. And it was a joke that had the N-word in it. And it was, it was a joke that needed the N-word. It was actually a joke that got rid of racism. It is a joke that was told by one of the queens of comedy. Um, way back in the day, if you remember watching the queens of comedy back then, was it Monique and... Uh, I can't even remember any of them. But it wasn't Monique that said it. But this girl said that she wanted to make some chips and call them, and I can't say it. I, I wish I could explain it to you better. But a lot of friends of mine are not... Uh, they, they give too much power to the word that must be used to finish this joke. So it really slows the joke down. And if I say, I'm going to make a bunch of chips, I'm going to make them the best chips in the world, I'm going to call them N-words, it really doesn't drive the point home. But I want to make them so good that people will call up and be like, hey, you coming over for my Super Bowl party? I don't know. Are you going to have any N-words over? Well, yeah, you know it in a party without some N-words. That's how you get rid of racism. She wasn't wrong. And I, I thought that was very, that's a very unique, because that time was, I believe, when the word bitch was being, some kids grew up now and they didn't even realize that bitch was ever that way. The bitch was an N-word. Right? And it was that comedy tour. HBC had bitch in charge. It was like that comedy tour, or at least that time, when the word bitch started getting softened as people began getting strength from it and using it as a definer for themselves. The exact same as the N-word is now. However, there's not so ubiquitous use of that because the bitch is not about, uh, you know, that was just derogatory towards all women. And the N-word was imagined derogatory against all blacks. However, it is not derogatory against blacks anymore it has changed and i will say that because the use of it is generally the opposite of derogatory i mean you find me anywhere where it's being used freely and i will show you that it is being used as a compliment as a positive generally i guess that's wrong a lot of times in rap they talk about the people they hate too huh but they don't use it as a descriptor of race, as being different from their own, that then brings derogatory feelings about that person. They use it instead just as a word that describes a person. I got a friend, uh, I won't say his name, but he's an awesome tattoo artist. He spent some time in jail, prison. He, uh, he's got a story. Man, I love listening to his stories, too, because they're just so... But he drops the N-word. Like, for everybody. His mama is one. You know, he just, that was the culture. I don't know that there is anybody, around black people, it ain't, no one's checking this guy or chastising because they see the freely, and the, the, he says it, he has no racial animosity built up. There's nothing racist about that man. But he drops the N-word all the time. And it's not in the derogatory. Well, sometimes it is. <laughs> But he won't be using it as a derogatory about somebody's skin color at all. It's just this person over here is stupid is what he is saying. And that person would probably be white. And he'll still call him an N-word. I don't know the answers. But like I said, I know I've stayed too long. I've talked too much. Please comment. Like, let me know where I'm wrong because this is something that I want to work on. And not just work on myself. I want to see society change. I, and the only way it changes in any cases with conversations, why gridlock is so terrible for the American um, legislation, and it's what's really pulling us down for moving forward, is the gridlock between two-party system of uh, that it both just equal opposite ends of extreme wealth. All right. Like I said, stayed too long, said too much. I appreciate you guys listening. I hope to be on to do these again, and and these by myself, I don't know, they're funner for me. <laughs> I like just getting in my room saying the same things over and over more than I like having friends on. 
it, it, like here's an example. I had a friend on, and I'm not releasing the podcast because I I had actually done two podcasts that day and had a third one to do later and it was just so much that the one in the middle got really boring it was for a great friend of mine and a very huge influence in the tattoo world dr blasphemy carl murray the doctor uh the voice of tattoo of the tattoo world and i had him on it was so boring that i'm just chopping it up in clips because i'm going to have him back on um and one of the reasons it was so boring was because we started to talk about something very interesting and it was embarrassing, and I didn't like it. So I stopped it. I changed the subject to something else. And really, I should explore that. So I'm going to have him on again and try and explore. Uh, he was there the day that I left, meaning he was coming on to the show, Ink Masters, the day that I blew up. So he was in the hotel. I actually stayed at the same hotel he was in. He called me up to let me know he was there. I called him up to let him know that I was not going to be there. And he he saw me. And he saw how different and out of sorts I was. And I was not right in my mind. And he was explaining that to me. And I was like, I don't want to hear it. Thank you. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is probably one of the more interesting things. And one of the things I should probably have the balls to really deal with is the times that I'm not right. I mean, so often I'm not. I did a podcast on here, and just, man, you, the ones you love can sometimes irk you the most. I had my son on, and I just got angered real quick. And I stopped the podcast. I went and, and uh, I didn't really yell at him. Yelling is the wrong term. But it wasn't not yelling. <laughs> but as I do this, and it so often happens, as I'm looking at the eyes that I've created of... Uh, the kid that I love so much and I'm chastising him and I feel so righteous at one point and then I just look at this creature that I love and that loves me and supports me and, and wants to good for me and it like starts out high and it comes down until I'm just eventually apologizing right to him in the same sentence and I'm like you know what I guess I realize I'm wrong now it's my fault I'm sorry to even bring it up so so there's that. I don't know. That's uh, that. That's when I have people on, they talk about things that are not the things that I say. I wish everybody on would just regurgitate the same information that I feel I know. And everybody just says, yes, Kyle, you're right. Do tell more. Um, but that ain't interesting, is it? So I'm going to try to be a bigger man so that I can hear my criticisms without turning away. Um, ironically, I do the same with, with compliments. You can't compliment me too much. I fucking hate it. Don't. I hate being complimented. Sure, it's a nice tattoo. Thank you. I'm looking at all the problems right now and thinking that you must be stupid. We are not on the same plane. You don't see what I see. It's fucked up. Sure, it's beautiful, but it's fucked. Uh, I will do a beautiful tattoo and hate it. I don't know why. Something wrong. Oh, well, like I said, stay too long, said too much, let me know what you think, and uh, yeah, you guys have a good one.